It's time for the Chief Zone Podcast. Farzine Vasugian, your host here with you for another episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. Thank you guys as always for making the podcast part of your day. As always, if you guys are new, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. If you're a returning listener, you know the drill. Subscribe on iTunes. Share the podcast on social media if you enjoy them. Share them with other Chiefs fans. And if you guys want to be part of the podcast, want to be part of the interaction, there are a couple of ways you can do so. One way is to go on Facebook, facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugi, and that is a Facebook page. At halftime and after every game, I'll do a Facebook Live video on the Facebook page. Uh, Crazy enough, not a whole lot of people had much to say after this one, and that's what happens when you have the result that the Chiefs had in this football game, which we'll get into in just a moment. So give me a a like and a follow on Facebook, facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugi, and follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. And you guys can email me as well, farzine at farzinevesugian.com. So a lot to get into on this episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. Some intriguing games and some news and notes, including uh, John Dorsey now hired as a general manager of another football team and how that could be make an impact to the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll talk about that as well. Plus go out of bounds and one story that's gone viral that I want to talk about as well later on in the podcast. So a lot to discuss, but... First things first, the Kansas City Chiefs won a football game. (laughs) Let me repeat that one more time. The Chiefs snapped their four-game losing streak, beat a division rival, got revenge on the Oakland Raiders, and remain in first place in the AFC West. But of course, that came with some drama in the end. Uh, of course, Kansas City has to make it 26 uh, nothing, And things got really interesting in the end with that one. Well, we'll get into all of that. I'm seeing mixed reactions even after a win like that. Uh, I, I can understand why. But look, l- let me just say this. Because I've told you guys, there are certain situations where some Chiefs fans are being optimistic. Some are being pessimistic. And many times I've chosen to stay optimistic in certain situations, and I think part of that is because the Chiefs have remained in first place in the division all season long. At the end of the day, the Chiefs won. Was it a pretty win? Hell no. Looked pretty up until midway through the fourth quarter. But a win is a win. Would you rather sit here and... Complain and hear me just completely whine about this blown lead, a 26 nothing blown lead over the Raiders and fall behind in the division. Would you rather discuss that or would you rather discuss an ugly win and staying in first place? I think that is obvious. I mean, it's an obvious one to answer. The Chiefs won. And listen, I think as fans, Chiefs fans that is, I think we get so carried away with ugly wins that we don't even know how to react to them. Let's not forget, from 2007 through 2012, I mentioned those, I mentioned that timeline several times. The Chiefs had a lot of close games that they lost, and they were bad during those years. Do you think fans of opposing teams, they looked at that, they looked at the games where they barely beat the Chiefs and they said, Ugly, ugly win, but we'll take it. Let's not forget, and I've said this many times and I'll say it again, the Baltimore Ravens, the year they won the Super Bowl in 2012, they beat the Chiefs by a score of 9-6. to six. 
They won the football game because essentially Matt Castle fumbled at the one yard line when he was trying to go in for a quarterback sneak. So, and again, I'm I'm seeing all these mixed reactions. It seems like people are upset even after a win here. And I haven't posed the question because I have actually gotten comments from a couple people on Facebook and Twitter saying they would rather see the Chiefs lose. And these are Chiefs fans uh, who, who, that these comments are coming, coming from. Look, I, and I saw one comment that said, you know, in order to have change, we need to lose. Uh, okay, I, I mean, if you're 2-13 if you're and 13 with one game left to go, okay, sure. I mean, there's nothing to really play for at that point. But the Chiefs are still ahead in the division. And I've said this story many times, and I'll say it again. Eli Manning and the New York Giants had a horrendous 2007 season, barely getting into the playoffs. Eli Manning had 23 touchdowns and 20 interceptions that year, and they are were the only team that defeated the Patriots that season, and they did it in the biggest game of all, the Super Bowl. They overcame a season sweep over the Dallas Cowboys by beating them in the game that mattered the most in the playoffs. So listen, we can sit here and complain about just how horrible the Chiefs look right now, uh, especially as of late, uh, going two and six in their last eight games. It's 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 inexcusable. There's a lot that needs to be fixed with this football team, even after a win like this. No doubt about it. And of course, you know we'll cover all angles like we always do. But uh, I get, I guess I get flabbergasted. Maybe the right word. It just seems confusing to me. That fans choose to be pessimistic even after a win. I don't care how ugly a win is. I'll, I'll always take 100 out of 100 times a win over the Raiders. I don't care if it would screw you out of a number one overall draft pick. Uh, whatever the case may be. I would rather not have a high end. Listen, dra- draft placement is completely overrated. It really is. Look at some of the Chiefs players that have been picked up over the years, uh, outside of the first round and even late in the first round. So, uh, you, you guys are never going to hear me hope for draft placement ever, uh, or, or wanting to see a team tank. Uh, I know I've done it in the past, but ju- just over the years, even with different general managers, the Chiefs have found a lot of great players in later rounds of the draft. So, in a reminder, because I'm seeing people root for losing. Uh, another reason is for draft placement. The Chiefs don't even have a first-round pick this season. So there's no reason to really root for any of that whatsoever. So Kansas City comes away with a win, albeit not very pretty in the second half of the fourth quarter, the way things transpired there, but found a way to finish off the game one way or another. One, You'll take the win. Alex Smith uh, had a fairly good game. You know, the stat line may not show it. 20 of 34, 260 yards, no touchdowns, one pick. Was sacked four times in this football game, but I think he played better than the stats definitely showed. The rushing attack was on fire in this one. Kareem Hunt had a lot of good things uh, going his way. 25 carries, 116 yards, a touchdown. Chuck Kendrick West also got into the end zone with a touchdown. The only two touchdowns the Chiefs had in this football game. And of course, looking at the passing game, a lot of great stuff to, to talk about. Three different Chiefs players had 70 or more, more than 70 receiving yards. And I think that needs to be talked about, especially in a season where you know, you lost Chris Conley for the year. You released Jeremy Macklin before the season, a move that 
uh, had a lot of Chiefs fans scratching their heads. And when you look at this kind of production that you get, and I know that Raiders defense is not a very good one, but that's what you're supposed to do against bad defenses. Put up numbers like this with your two wide receivers and your star tight end. So the Chiefs were able to do some work on offense. And on the defensive side of the football, that front seven showed up in this football game. Without Marcus Peters and being without Eric Berry essentially the entire season, this defense really showed up in this football game. Uh, and you've got to give a lot of credit to to everyone around because this Raiders offense was limited uh, in what they were able to do. They didn't have a single point until midway through the fourth quarter, and that's because this front seven just constantly attacked and went after the the, the Raiders in the pocket. Uh, Marshawn Lynch was very limited in what he was able to do. Had a couple of nice plays here and there, but not a whole lot in this football game. And David Carr, or Derek Carr rather, uh, wasn't able to get a lot going e- either in this football game. Was pressured all game long, threw a pair of picks, was sacked three times in this football game. What did I say was the magic? If the Chiefs can get three sacks and two turnovers, they'll win football games. I said that last podcast, and they got three sacks and a pair of picks in this football game to win. This defense really needed a big game. Kareem Hunt needed to have a big game. And I know the defense has done a fairly good job lately in limiting opponents. The only time they couldn't do that was against the Jets. Uh, But they haven't allowed, allowed teams to light it up on the scoreboard. They allowed 12 to the Giants, 16 to the Bills, 15 to the Raiders. I mean, this defense, they're they're not letting teams go wild on the scoreboard, which I think is very important to note. Now, I did mention the Chiefs did do it without Eric Berry and Marcus Peters. Now, of course, because the podcast came out a little earlier, uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about the Marcus Peters suspension. So that is something that definitely needs to be talked about, especially when you're when you're facing a unit that has some great pass catchers tight end Jared Cook who I think is an underused and underrated tight end especially during his years with the Rams when he was available I remember wanting him to come to Kansas City uh, as a backup next to Travis Kelsey did not happen of course uh, Michael Crabtree fairly good game from him Amari Cooper who, who who's gotten a little bit better as the season's gone on was shut down in this football game and again you did it without Marcus Peters and Eric Berry so let's talk about Marcus Peters for a second because this is um this is starting to go in all sorts of directions. Saturday morning, I, I wrote a post saying how I was just shocked that how much Chiefs fans wanted Marcus Peters out. And I said, look, in this game, we might regret wanting him gone. Now, obviously not the case because the Raiders passing him didn't go off like I thought they would. Now, it is just one game. And let's not let one game dictate our opinion as to whether or not we think Marcus Peters is a reason for winning and losing. Uh, I mean, look, if I don't think Marcus Peters' absence had anything to do with it. I think, if anything, the defense, the front seven was far more aggressive in this football game than in games past lately. And I think that's a big reason why you saw this Chiefs team come away with a win. Uh, especially when you saw the defense play a lot better this time. Now, a couple hours after I posted that on Facebook on Saturday... There was a report from Mike Garofolo who tweeted that there was more to Peter's suspension uh, than the whole flag-throwing incident last week. It had a lot to do with some sort of an argument with the coaching staff during a team meeting this week. Do I buy that? 
I don't know. I, I feel like all of that is starting to become a coincidence at this rate. But overall, this is starting to become a, a really serious issue that's out of hand. And, I, and I've seen people blaming Andy Reid for this, and I think that's completely ridiculous uh, to point the finger at Andy Reid. Travis Kelsey has had some issues with maturity on the field, and he's gotten better at that lately. So clearly Andy Reid has been able to get players to stop with their childish acts, and Travis Kelsey is a great example of that. And, and Travis Kelsey being upset because he couldn't get a, a, an interference flag when he was being held down, or uh, dropping a pass uh, when he could have had an easy touchdown. I mean, look, I don't mind him being upset. As long as he doesn't go up to a referee's face or uh, tosses a flag into the stands or starts arguing with teammates and, and, and coaches, I, all Kelsey did was toss his helmet to the ground uh, on the sidelines and was just upset with himself. I, I, I saw people trying to make a story out of that. I didn't think that was a big deal. What I think is a big deal is... All season long, you've seen Marcus Peters, the interviews that he's given, uh, the flag-throwing incident, yelling at Bob Sutton at one point uh, on the sidelines. I think it was the Texans game where that happened. Uh, Just a lot of things. And now this story about how there was some sort of incident in the locker room uh, in which he he had some sort of altercation. No details as to what happened exactly. Uh, I saw someone on the Facebook page joke about how uh, Marcus Peters told uh, Bob Sutton that his defense sucks this year. Uh, maybe that was the reason why he got suspended. But in all seriousness, this is not a, a coaching thing. And I saw someone else also comment and say, well, maybe we need a veteran go up to him and uh, get him to focus. And I don't think that's, that's a solution either. It could be. But I don't think that's... That's the reason as to why this is ongoing. As I said, Andy Reid has dealt with players in the past with immature acts. I think the biggest one in Kansas City, outside of Peters, Travis Kelsey. Look at what he did a couple times last year and this year. And we haven't heard a lot about Travis Kelsey and maturity issues since then. And we all know that Andy Reid, he's dealt with troubled players who like such as Mike Vick and Tyreek Hill. So, none of that is anything new here. So, we've seen him deal with guys with troubled pasts. We've seen him deal with guys who just have these immature acts and can't get it together. And he finds a way to to fix that. He did that with Travis Kelsey. Why is it that Marcus Peters isn't on board? And again, people who are blaming Andy Reid, I think it's just completely ridiculous to do because... If this was Andy Reid's fault, all 53 players would be tossing flags into the stands uh, each time a flag was th- would be thrown. So I don't think this is a an Andy Reid issue, and I don't think this is a veteran issue either. You may remember last year, two games in a row, Marcus Peters punted a football into the stands. Eric Berry went, after, went, went up to him after the second time it happened, after the second offense. And you could see him talk to him on the sidelines in that Panthers game right before the Chiefs kicked the game winner. Uh, to come back in that football game. So you hey, listen, Andy Reid's done. He'll he'll never publicize anything, but in in press conferences, he's been very defensive of these guys and very. I mean, he stays tight lipped about those things. He doesn't talk about them publicly, which is which is the big reason why these players love to play for Andy Reid. He'll never throw his players or his assistants under the bus publicly. If any of that needs to be addressed, he'll do it behind closed doors. So I don't know why is it that 
all these other players have been able to come together and grow up and act mature w- w- under Andy Reid, except for Marcus Peters. I, I mean, look, you can't go four for four in every baseball game. You, you, you can't complete all 36, 37, 40 passes, however many in a football game. You, you may have some hit or misses here and there. And unfortunately, it looks like Marcus Peters is one of those players that isn't getting it under Andy Reid. And, and there's no, re- no, no explanation for it. So, I mean, it's it's not rocket science here. Andy Reid's dealt with all these players and has found a way to get them back on track. And it seemed like he did that with Marcus Peters at one point, too. Let's not forget, Marcus Peters was kicked off his team, his college team. And there were some question marks about him when he entered the draft. And for one and a half seasons, well, let's just say two years, for two seasons... The only issues you had with Marcus Peters was him punting the football into, into the stands in back-to-back games. Which, listen, I'll take that because he's doing that in excitement. Now this year, you, you the whole... And listen, I'm not even counting the whole protest thing because other players have been protesting all season long. Uh, you know, the interviews in the locker room, the uh, FU exchange with a, with a fan in the stands, uh, the poor play on the field. I think I mentioned the interviews. Um, and, and now this incident where he's where he tosses a, a flag into the stands, yelling at Bob Sutton on the sidelines, and this report about some sort of ex- exchange, verbal exchange, in a team meeting. I, listen, I hope Marcus Peters realizes that the Chiefs haven't had many wins lately, and this football team, the the players that were on the field in this game, they got to enjoy a long overdue victory. Something Marcus Peters missed out on. So hopefully he can look at that and say, man, uh, I, I missed I missed out with my team, with my brothers. So hopefully he can come back in the next game and come out a little strong. There was someone who I was kind of debating with on Facebook last week. They were defending Marcus Peters and saying, you know, considering his background and where he came from, he's just showing his emotion and just wants to win. And I don't buy that. as an excuse. I don't care where you came from. Uh, you know, there are a lot of football players, uh, a lot of pro athletes who have, have come from very little. Uh, you know, maybe not uh, the, the wealthiest family, maybe not the the greatest situation to, to grow up in, but you don't see a lot of players acting like this. I think what bothers me so much is, you know, we make so many excuses when players in college or very early in their NFL careers or pro careers, whatever sport they're playing, they do they, they 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 do something stupid and we just give them every excuse in the book that they're young, they're immature, they're 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 18, 19, 20, 21, 20 whatever uh and, and we're just making all these excuses for them and I think it's a horrible thing to do. When you're making ex- excuses for someone, you're basically saying it's okay and if they do it again, you will will end up saying the same things. There's a reason why not every and I don't care how many teenagers or players in their early 20s we have in college sports 99% of these guys aren't acting immature I mean like look at the Baker Mayfield for example who was grabbing his crotch and doing all kinds of things just to act funny in front of KU in that football game why aren't other players doing that there's a reason why it's just one guy that we see every year in sports that does these kinds of things and you know, people, of course, have to make some sort of an excuse for that player. 
And I think it's time we stop the excuses with Marcus Peters. And you guys know me with excuses. I, I hate excuses. You, you know that. People make all kinds of excuses with uh, with Alex Smith and everything that he's gone through. It, it's it's got to end at some point. You've just got to stop with the excuses and try to get it together. And it reads on his part. You want to talk about veteran leaders going up to him and helping him? They've done their part. We've seen Eric Berry actually go up to him and coach him up when really he doesn't necessarily have to do that, but he does it anyway because that's the kind of person he is. Hell, look at this football game. I mentioned Kelsey being upset. He was talking to Andy Reid, and you can see he was still frustrated. Not at Andy Reid, just, just, just upset at the situation. Eric Berry's right there. Eric Berry's a defensive player who's, you know, in a very small huddle with Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey just, just talking. Uh, I mean, you can see his lips moving. So, uh, the, the, you see some players who do, who do that. Uh, look, this is a Marcus Peters deal, okay? If anyone can solve this, it's Marcus Peters. Either he'll solve it and he stays on the football team and hopefully he can stay long-term because he's a damn talented player and you, players like him are very hard to come by, especially at that cornerback position. And when you consider Eric Berry coming back next year and possibly Darrell Rivas being re- retained and if the pass rush can be used more appropriately in 2018, this is going to be one effing scary defense to watch next year. I mean, I, I can't wait to see what this defense can do when you have everyone all together and everyone on defense playing well together, all 11 players. I think that has the potential to be one of the best defenses we would we could ever see in the National Football League. So I really hope Marcus Peters can get it together. And the only person who can do that is the man himself, Marcus Peters. Because everyone else has done their job in trying to help him. And it's not working for whatever reason. I think the suspension is seriously the last resort. You never want to suspend your own players. Especially when a game like this, on the line, you need to get something going. You need to stay ahead in the division, and you haven't been doing great lately, whereas the Raiders have. That's a gutsy move by Andy Reid. Sending a message, making that a priority over winning. Good for Andy Reid for doing so. And hopefully that message has been delivered in in a successful manner. Only time will tell if that's the case. Let me know your guys' thoughts on all of this. Facebook.com slash Farzin Like and follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter as well at Farzin21. Let me know your guys' thoughts on this. What other solution is there? What else can Andy Reid do? What else can Eric Berry do? Nothing. They have done a lot. You, you've seen Eric Berry go up to him and even other players just to talk to them and get them to, to keep, their, keep their head in, in check. You've seen Andy Reid do everything now. And again, I don't think any coach goes, hmm, you know what, this guy messed up. First defense, let's suspend him. No, this was, I mean, this has been more than three strikes. Let's let's all be honest and real here. I don't know what else Andy Reid could really do in this situation. And again, this is a guy who's dealt with a lot of players that need help. Staying focused and getting back on track. He's been able to do that with a lot of guys. But for whatever reason, Marcus Peters has not been one of those guys that's been able to get back on track. It looked like the case for two for the first two seasons. This season, kind of a kind of an ugly one for Peters. I mean, just on the field, off the field, whatever. Just has not been a very good one 
for Marcus Peters. And again, before people light me up on Twitter about this, I'm not even referring about the protest thing. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the locker room interviews, the the, the interaction with the fans, the the, the altercation, uh, verbal exchange with, with coaches. That's what I'm referring to when I say off the field. I'll say it one last time. The only person at this point right now who can do anything about it, who can fix things, is Marcus Peters himself. I think he's got to come up with some... You know, I don't think you have to do it publicly in front of the whole team. But go up to whoever you've had these verbal altercations with, apologize to them, and get on the field and play some damn football. Because this guy is truly the best cornerback in the NFL when he wants to be. He's proved it. Uh, 16 interceptions in two years is no joke. That's no accident. So I'd rather keep him than let him go or trade him away. All right, now let's get into the main portion of the podcast, which of course is the win over the Oakland Raiders. Kansas City coming away with a 26-15 win. And I thought early on the defense looked pleasantly. I mean, I was pretty surprised with how this defense looked early on. Uh... The way that they looked in this football game on uh, on third and eleven, well, first of all, on, on second and ten, Marshawn Lynch loses a yard. Jenkins makes a big play there, and then on third and eleven, Derek Carr gets sacked, loses seven yards, and Chris Jones uh, had a hell of a game. I'll get into him later. So they punt the football away to Kansas City, and Kansas City really makes the best of it because. Market King, who's the best punter in the NFL right now, has a horrible punt. Uh, that went for only 31 yards. But the Chiefs able to go on an A-play uh, on an a play drive for 4 minutes, 7 seconds, get a field goal out of it. Now, when you get possession like that, and I know there was a holding call on the Chiefs that forced him to go back even after the bad punt, you need to come away with something better than that. So, the Chiefs get a field goal from that, uh, a punt... Again, on the next drive for the Raiders, and the Chiefs got a touchdown out of that on a 14-play drive that took 7 minutes off the clock. At this point, you're up 10 nothing. Now, as we saw the previous week, you never get you never get too comfortable with any of that. But, the Chiefs continued to dominate. I'll read you the ending result for the first... For the first half, for each drive. The Raiders, punt, 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 interception, punt. And there were three three and outs for the Raiders in the first half. For the Chiefs, field goal, touchdown, field goal, another field goal, and things ended at halftime. And the Chiefs had a 16-0 lead going into the locker room. And then on the first drive of the second quarter, or the second half, pardon me, Got a field goal. The Raiders punt the football uh, or punt the football again. The Chiefs do punt it back, but then there's the fumble from the Raiders on their first play, and then on the first play for the Chiefs, you got the interception from Alex Smith. Uh, hey, look, uh, it can't get too too crazy about that. Now the Chiefs did get another touchdown out of that, and as far as the Raiders coming out, we'll get to that. But as far as how the Chiefs looked for three quarters, and I read you the ending result of those drives right there. That is the kind of football you want to see on both sides of the ball. You move the football real well. And by the way, let me read you time of possession in this one. The Chiefs, it was better better early on 
well, really up until the fourth quarter, but the Chiefs had football for 36 minutes and 40 seconds. The Raiders, 23 minutes, 20 seconds. That's about six minutes shorter than the amount of time of possession the Jets had from the previous week. The Jets, as you may remember, they had the football for 42 minutes and 49 seconds. The Chiefs for 17 minutes and 11 seconds in last week's 38-31 to 31 loss to the Jets. So, you see the Chiefs in just the way they move the football in this one. 408 total yards to Oakland's 268. And third downs, and not a good one. Both teams 5 of 13, by the way, on third downs. But the Chiefs, 23 first downs in this football game. Oakland had just 15 in this one. So, the Chiefs, and by the way, turnovers, that was a big one right there. I mentioned the two interceptions. I forgot to mention the fumble. Three total turnovers for the Raiders in this one. Whereas the Chiefs only committed one turnover the whole game. That was the interception from Alex Smith. He had another one on a free play uh, where a Raiders player was offsides. But, I mean, look, uh, it, it was a free play. And that was just Alex Smith trying to make something happen in the end zone uh, on a free play. So, you can't go too crazy about that. But 3-1, to one, the turnover result right there. So, the Chiefs dominate in all of these categories. Total yards, time of possession, turnovers, total first downs in this football game. Everything went well for the team on both sides of the football. You're forcing all of these three and outs, especially early on in the game. And when you have a 26-0 lead, yeah, sure, the Raiders did put 15 points together late in the game. But that was too little too late because by that point, then again, not the most ideal way to finish a football game. The Chiefs built a big enough lead that it was too impossible for the Raiders to even come back from that. And I think the only way that any team could have could be able to make a comeback from that, or maybe any team that could blow a lead like that would be the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. So everything that you saw the Chiefs do in this football game, you can't really be upset about anything. You allowed only 15 points in this game. You held the Raiders to below 300 total yards of offense. Derek Carr didn't have the greatest game. Sacked a couple of times, threw a couple of interceptions. There was even a a fumble uh, from Holton. Uh, you you can't you can't really feel upset about anything you saw from the defense in this game. I think the only issue I have, and again this goes back to those 15 points that the Raiders tried to rally late in the game on a, on the fourth and seven play when clock's winding down, and a, you could see Andy Reid was about to do it. Bob Sutton was the one who I believe called the timeout. You, first of all, you save the Raiders a, a delay of game penalty. Second of all, you you give a team uh, you give the offense. An opportunity to strategize even more on a fourth down play. The only time an offense, or excuse me, uh, well, yeah, an offense should call a timeout. But it do, here, is, in my opinion, I'm not, not a head coach, but I don't, I don't think it's rocket science either to to understand this. If you're on defense, here are the two occasions where you absolutely do not call a timeout on third and very long. And on fourth down, because on third and long, look, you're at least giving them an opportunity. And same thing with with a fourth down play. If they decide to go for it, you're giving these teams an opportunity to re-strategize and just give them a longer opportunity to discuss the play. And anytime you have more time to discuss something, it really bodes well for players. And it gives coaches really just an opportunity to be comfortable and being able to explain these things when they have some extra time. And not only that, another thing to, to keep in mind is if you call a timeout, let's say right as both the offense and the 
in the defense lineup, if you call if a defense calls a timeout there, you give the offense an opportunity to re-strategize because they'll see how the defense lines up. You see this a lot with offenses when they need a a a, a really important two-point conversion or or they need to convert on fourth down or even on third down, they'll call a timeout because they see the defense lining up in a weird way and they'll talk about it and see how they can work around that and try to beat that coming off the timeout. So for Bob Sutton to, to, to burn that timeout and, and give the... And what happened on the next play? The Raiders got a touchdown. So that that one's on Bob Sutton right there. But look, I know a lot of people have been harsh on Bob Sutton and I have been too because the guy has not used this defense the way it should be. Especially when you're seeing outside linebackers be in coverage. We saw we saw Tano passing Yo, the uh, the rookie who a lot of people were excited to see this year. We saw him in coverage commit a penalty, and it's it's on a play where listen, this is not a guy who has experience being in coverage, and on top of that, he, he's covering a, a guy taller than him, and it's a complete mismatch. And he should be going after the quarterback. So I don't know why the Chiefs continue to do do these things on the defense side of the football where you got to use your pass rushers for what they what they need to be used for and let your linebacker, your inside linebackers, your 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 secondary be the guys that are in coverage, you know, maybe you do it once or twice. But we're just we're still seeing it. I thought that was going to be an adjustment that was going to happen during the bye week. It hasn't happened since then. So that's something that I'd like to see the Chiefs move away from hopefully they hopefully with all these issues we see when players do fall back you 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 see all kinds of trouble so hopefully that that's one of those incidents that can make the Chiefs say look we got to rethink what we're doing with our pass rushers here and let them just stay focused on going after the quarterback hopefully Tom Mahali was back in this game they didn't have a tackle but did disrupt the pocket a couple of times and trying to force Derek Carr to throw a couple of ill-advised passes or at least hurry his throws. Justin Houston had no tackles last week, had a great game this one, this time around. Five tackles in this one, one sack, and a tackle for a loss. Chris Jones, a hell of a game from Chris Jones, had a sack in this one and a couple of tackles for a loss. Derek Johnson had a big tackle lighting up Marshawn Lynch in this one. So the Chiefs, their front seven really showed up in this one. Reggie Ragland continued to make some key plays, limiting the Raiders on the ground. Uh, just a couple of instances where Marshawn Lynch was able to gash through the Chiefs' defense, but nothing for anything big, nothing uh, that made a difference in a football game. Uh, the Chiefs' defense still managed to stay in check. I, I think tackling still an issue with this football team. You're, you're seeing a lot of guys break tackles. Uh, Dan, Daniel Sorensen at one point tried to go after the quarterback completely thought it was going to be a play action. And at one point, I can't remember who it was. I want to say it was, I want to say it was, I want to say it was uh, Jared Cook. Or maybe it was Marshawn Lynch. I, I don't even remember who it was. But uh, someone had the football and on a one-on-one play just gets completely juked out. And the ball carrier ended up getting 9, 10 extra yards from that play. When he should have been down, you know, right at the line of scrimmage. So a couple of plays here and there, but nothing too bad with this defense. I thought overall they showed up in this football game. Uh, they, they've they've been pretty consistent. Three of the last four games, 
They have held teams to 16 or fewer points. I don't know if you can ask for much more from this defense. Yes, maybe more games like this where you're forcing more three and outs, getting more sacks, getting more takeaways. Something that this team lived off of last year when they led the league in takeaways and sacks. But a win is a win. Not a very pretty fourth quarter for the Chiefs. They've been known to be a fourth quarter football team, but not lately. And this game no different than that. But the final score is the one that's important the most. And the Chiefs came away with a 26-15 win. And again, yes, they have some things that they need to work on. Find a way to finish games uh, better, uh, especially after with the way they looked in this one. But they'll take this win. Uh, they'll march into the next game and try to do a better job. You, you got another big game, another big division game in the Chargers who have been catching up lately. Uh, just kind of a quick look while I'm recording this. Uh, looks like the Chargers are handling the Redskins. So you're probably going to have a two-way tie for first place. But luckily the Chiefs, uh, they beat them earlier in the year in week three. And that's a game that that is going to be the difference maker as to who, who leads in the tiebreaker situation for right now. So the Chiefs, another opportunity to build a gap in the division. They just beat the Raiders. Now an opportunity to beat the Chargers to get the season sweep in that one. And that'll be a Saturday night football game later this week. One other thing to talk about. We didn't get a chance to talk about this, and I, I, I referenced this, but didn't get a chance to go over a whole lot. Kareem Hunt, big game for, for him. Did not have a 100-yard rushing game since the Week 5 win over the Texans. That was the 5-0 start before the crazy 1-6 run we saw with this football team. Kareem Hunt, 25 carries for 116 yards. Uh, had the touchdown in this one. Uh, surpassed the 1,000-yard mark on the season. So, obviously, very good things from Kareem Hunt this season. Kind of been on and off as well. Uh, I know during the pregame show, they called him an afterthought because of how he's been playing lately after the phenomenal start from him. But he really came along. And I said in the preview podcast last week, I said, Kareem Hunt is overdue for a big game. And he needs to step it up in this football game. There's an opportunity for him to do so against a very bad rush defense. I didn't think he was going to, but he found a way to do so in this football game. I think 25 carries is a little too much, especially in a league where you need you need to have a strong one-two combo uh, with your running backs. But got the job done. Got 116 yards. Moved the football very well. And, of course, got into the end zone for the first time since week three for the Chiefs. Since that Chargers game. Again, a team who the Chiefs will be playing later this week. I guess the last thing to talk about, Alex Smith. Now, look, 20 of 34, 268, uh, a touchdown and an interception. Or no touchdowns, excuse me. And uh, one interception was sacked four times. Uh, his quarterback rating, 48.1. I think those are extremely misleading uh, but look, I'm not going to change my opinion about Alex Smith. I'm still, you guys know my thoughts on the quarterback situation. So I don't think it's worth repeating again. If you're a first time listener, or if you haven't heard my thoughts on Alex Smith yet, or, or the whole Pat Mahomes situation, listen to the previous podcast, because I do really go into detail with all of that. And, and even if I repeated all of that, it'd be too long to repeat. Uh, let me just say, I, I still stand with Alex Smith on all of this. Uh, I will say, I don't, I don't think Alex Smith did anything to hurt this football team. Uh, but Look, uh, you need to come away with with touchdowns in this game. And the Chiefs only had two uh, when they should have had a couple of more here. Uh, you look at some of the some of the plays he had, some of the long passing plays. He had uh, a play of 36 yards to Albert Wilson and a play of 44 yards to Tyree Kill. When you look at Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, and Albert Wilson, listen to these stat numbers right here. 
Tyreek Hill, 4 catches, 75 yards. Travis Kelsey, 7 catches, 74 yards. Had 2 touchdowns taken away. One of them, uh, due to a penalty, Mitchell Schwartz, ineligible down, man downfield. Something that he's got to do a better job of. And another one, he was just short of a goal line. And there was another one where Kelsey should have been targeted for a touchdown, but was not. So three touchdowns uh, that could have gone to Kelsey in this one that did not. Uh, so Kelsey still had a good good day though. Seven catches, seventy four yards, five receptions for seventy two yards for Albert Wilson. No touchdowns from any of these guys though, and I think that's the thing right there. The uh, he had one drive where he threw to Albert Wilson for thirty six yards, and another drive, a different drive where he threw to Tyree Kill for forty four yards. Neither of those drives ended in touchdowns. And when you have big plays like that, and when especially when you hear Alex Smith, uh, you know people are, are telling everyone else that Alex Smith can't throw the deep pass. Well, he went long on a few plays here and there, and next thing you know, he's having all these big games. He's able to throw the ball downfield. He, I mean, he did it last week. He's done it earlier in the year. So we know Alex Smith is capable of all of this. He did it in 2015 after that 1-5 and five start. Did it a couple of times last year. Now, he still missed players wide open for, for touchdowns. Uh, I mean, he missed Albert Wilson in this game. Now, I will say that the drop by Travis Kelsey and that drop by Demetrius Harris, uh, I mean, those are inexcusable. Those aren't Alex Smith's fault. But the, the, the thing that's most frustrating watching this football team, uh, other than the imbalance and the 5-0 and start going from... 5-0 and to 2-6 and six now at this point. Uh, the thing that, that's so frustrating is when Alex Smith does have a great game, like last week when he went off for four touchdowns on the Jets, they don't come away with a win. In this game, where he's 20 of 34 for 268, and he has some long pa- connections with Tyreek Hill and Albert Wilson, I mean, he, he had a touchdown pass to, to Travis Kelsey that was called back. He had... Uh, a pass thrown to uh, who? Demetrius Harris, uh, who dropped it right at the inside the five, and all he had to do was just maintain possession and walk into the end zone. So, listen, I don't know what to say about this. Uh, bad luck, I guess. But at the end of the day, we can't just keep saying, "Oh, well, when Alex Smith had a great game, these things happened." Uh. You know, I, I've kind of gone back and forth on this. Before the season, you guys know my thoughts. I thought it was ridiculous that the Chiefs traded up 13 spots and drafted a guy 10th overall just to have him sit for the year. I didn't like that idea at all. Uh, but when you saw Alex Smith play the way he did, th- th- it was a lot of fun to watch. And we saw MVP Alex Smith for most of the game last week. We saw MVP Alex Smith in this game in certain parts. But then there are times where he just completely disappears and has some really questionable passes. That inconsistency is holding this team back. And again, I'm not saying this was Alex Smith's fault. I mean, you you won the football game, but there should have been more points on the scoreboard for the Chiefs in this one. I know it didn't hurt him in this game, guys. I understand that. But down the road, the Chiefs need to have more production from their offense, especially if they're going to win the division and have another playoff game at home. You've got to find a way to win when you're going to face a team like like possibly Jacksonville coming in. Especially, I mean, Jacksonville's a team that has the best defense in the league right now, and they can give the Chiefs a lot of problems. So you you don't want to you don't want to go into the playoffs playing a great defense like that. 
only to play so well in the regular season on and off and look like that in the playoffs. That is a big concern of mine with this Chiefs team right now. Still a couple of weeks to figure it all out, and we know this Chiefs team is capable of doing all, all of these things. So, look, Alex Smith is not going to lose his job coming off a win, uh, but there are certainly adjustments that need to be made, and hopefully the Chiefs can figure that out because Alex Smith is capable of going out there and leading his team to scoring 31 like last week and 26 in this game. Got to see more of that. And again, as much as I love Harrison Butker and what he, the job he's done this year for the Chiefs, just a phenomenal season from Harrison Butker, we got to see more sixes than threes from the Chiefs' offense. Again, I'll say it again, this offense is capable of doing so. It's just a matter of doing it when it's time. We saw a much more balanced Chiefs team in this football game than we have for most of the year. And if they can make adjustments on both sides of the football Defense going, really from the defense, I just want to see more aggressiveness from the pass rushers. More consistency of having your outside linebackers just constantly going after the quarterback. And as far as the offense goes, look, just 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 be more aggressive for four quarters. That's what you've got to do, especially on third down. And if the Chiefs can do that, boy, this is a team that is definitely t- capable of making it to the Super Bowl. Just a matter of them being able to play consistently well. We see them play really great, but we don't see that on a consistent basis. That's the problem with this football team. Let me know your thoughts. Facebook.com slash Farzine Twitter.com slash Farzine2. And you guys can also email me as well. Farzine at FarzineVasugian.com. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. All right, some big news. Former Chiefs general manager John Dorsey gets his new gig. He is the general manager of the Cleveland Browns. So, uh, hey, look, uh, I think if I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, I'm excited for the fact that he turned the Chiefs around uh, during his time as a GM here, and he drafted really well uh, here in Kansas City. And he's responsible for some big additions in Green Bay now, the question is, and I think this impacts Kansas City directly, look at what the Browns have to work with. They've got five draft picks in the first two rounds. I'll tell you where they all are in a moment, but you know in cases like this, and this is very common, we've seen this a lot, in cases like this, when a guy becomes the head coach of a new team or the general manager of a new team, he's going to try to bring in some players that he was responsible for bringing in before. So in this case, John Dorsey... Yeah, of course, made that trade for Alex Smith, has drafted a couple of guys. If Marcus Peters continues to become an issue, maybe you've got to look at trading him in the future. Well, look at what the Chiefs have, or what they could be getting, and here's what the Browns have. The Chiefs don't have a first-round pick, but as far as the Browns, they've got the first overall pick. They've got the eighth overall pick, two picks in the the top ten. They've got the 33rd overall selection in the second round, 39th in the second round, and they've got the final pick of the second round. Now, again, that, that could all be updated pretty soon, especially with wins and losses continuing on and off. The final pick comes from the Eagles uh, from the Eagles because uh, they're 11-2 and two on the season. So you have all these draft picks to work with. Five draft picks. If John Dorsey really wants some guys from Kansas City to come on over, such as Alex Smith or Marcus Peters, 
Hey, uh, if I'm Brett Beach and the Kansas City Chiefs, I, I play some hardball. You look at those draft picks, and it's not going to be cheap signing five guys in the t- in the first two rounds. Uh, demand a couple of those picks. Get a first-round guy and get a second-rounder. Uh, see what you can do to, to bulk up this offense. Find an offensive lineman. Find another receiver to let whoever your quarterback is going to be to work with. And here's the one thing that I won't rule out. What if... John Dorsey really wants Pat Mahomes. Now, I'd rather not that not be the case, but if he really wants the quarterback that he was the GM of when the team drafted Mahomes, uh, demand some stuff because the Chiefs gave up a lot to get Mahomes. Uh, so if the Browns want a quarterback, if the Browns want Mahomes, uh, make them give up a lot. And I've got to say, personally, I'm a little nervous for the Browns and how Dorsey could do with that cap situation, if he drafts certain players, if they blossom and flourish really well, uh, the, the Browns could be in cap trouble in a few years. The Chiefs are currently in cap trouble, and they're trying to get out of it. Uh, that remains to be seen with the Chiefs right now. One other thing I do want to talk about, boy, what a fun game that was in Buffalo. L- look, I love snowy football games, and I hope uh, we get more of that uh, the remainder of the football season. I'd love to see one in Kansas City. Uh, look at Jacoby. Look, these stat numbers are crazy, especially in a passing league. But obviously, the snow you can't do that so much. Jacoby Brissett, uh, eleven uh, completions for twenty-two attempts. Nathan Peterman, five of ten. Oh boy, I, I mean, these are just not good numbers at all. Je- Joe Webb, remember him? Long time backup for the Vikings. Was two of six in this football game. Scrambled a couple of times. Uh, boy, uh, Indianapolis ran the ball forty-six times. Buffalo ran it. 51 times. Uh, the Bills completed passes to only four different players in this football game. I, I mean, th- th- these are, I think, the most fun games to watch. And uh, you look at the Bills and how they celebrated when uh, LaShawn McCoy got that 21-yard touchdown to win the game. He did the Snow Angel. And uh, you look at the players when they line up before the snap. Their ankles are deep under the snow. And the field goal made by Vinatieri in the snow, the curve you saw in that football, and I'm seeing some of the highlights right now on TV. Uh, when when there's a fumble and players are sliding, jumping on top of the ball, just snow everywhere. Uh, man, I hope that there's a Chiefs game like this at some point. I have always wanted to see a Chiefs game where they play in heavy snow like that. Maybe make for an ugly 13 to seven game. But it's a fun, ugly game to watch. It really is. Until your team loses. That game almost ended in a tie, by the way, between the Colts and the Bills. But the Bills came away with the win in that one. Next segment, let's go out of bounds. Alright, don't look now, but KU Basketball has lost two games in a row, they lost at the Sprint Center to Washington, and then they lose to Arizona State. Now, Arizona State, a ranked team, uh, lose to Arizona State at Allen Fieldhouse. And I, I think I saw a tweet about how Bill Self only has one loss at Allen Fieldhouse when coming off uh, a loss. Now that number's up at two. Look, I remember when the Jayhawks were playing Tennessee State. Uh, for their first game of the season. Everybody talked about national championship and now this team's going to the Final Four. 
all for playing a team called Tennessee State. Alright, come on. Uh, let's not get too carried away here. And now the Jayhawks have lost two in a row. They they had to get a guy from the football team. They got the uh, one of the tight ends from the football team to be part of the basketball team. First he was a practice squad guy, but now he's actually been dressing up for game days because the Jayhawks are short on players. They're waiting for Billy Preston to come back. The Jayhawks have lost all of their games ever since they added this tight end from the football team. I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think that is a coincidence. In all seriousness, though, what you are seeing with this football, uh, basketball team right now, rather, look, I hate to say it because I love my Jayhawks. I do. But this is a, a, a team, once again, as great as they are, I think. first of all, I think this team is overrated. Uh, I mean, they don't have a lot of great players all around here. we got a couple good ones in Devontae Graham, Sviatsov, Mikhailov. But I think Udoka is a very good freshman so far. But overall, I think this is a very overrated Jayhawks team. And once again, in March, they will disappoint like they do each and every season. One other thing I want to talk about. There is a viral video that's going around on the web right now and... This mother films his kid crying, and people are wondering, why is the mom filming his kid crying like this? The kid has to be filmed, uh, according to the mother. Second of all, uh, this kid's crying because he's been bullied in school, uh, to the point where uh, he's in middle school. Uh, he didn't even want to eat lunch at school, and I guess he had contacted his mom. I, I don't know if he has a cell phone or how he did this, uh, but basically he got away to be picked up from school. Uh, during lunch, I, I believe, because he just didn't want to be at school the rest of the day. And I think this is just horrifying. It, it really is. Um, this video has gone viral. Uh, you know, kid being bullied uh, to the point where he doesn't even want to be in school anymore. Just, just completely horrible. Uh, there, there should be no room for that in our world. Uh, look, uh, there are all, we're already dealing enough with people uh, trying to single others out because of their race, their background. Unfortunately, I've been a victim of that. And I got bullied a lot as a kid, too. And uh, I feel it for this kid. I, I think it's wrong, and I don't think there's any room for it. But, man, if there's anything good that happens on Twitter, uh, it's got to be this here. Uh, so many people have come out. This kid's from Tennessee. And the Tennessee football team and the Tennessee, Tennessee Titans, they have all come out on support. In fact, I believe there are going to be a couple of Tennessee football players uh, Tennessee Volunteers, that is. They are actually going to go to school with this kid on Tuesday, and they said they're going to have it on uh, on uh, Twitter Live or Facebook Live, one or the other. They're going to have it live, and they want everyone to see this kid getting some love and support, and hopefully they can confront a couple of these bullies. Because, look, if there's anything that can be done, uh, maybe a public figure, figure that goes in can make a difference. There's a UFC fighter who just fought over the weekend, got a big win, and when he goes back home, he wants this kid to come to his training gym, his facility, and, you know, practice fighting with... I mean, you, this kid's gotten all kinds of support. UFC President Dana White, uh, and he, he's inviting him to Vegas to come hang out at UFC headquarters. Um, uh, so many UFC fighters uh, actually made Twitter videos uh, supporting him. The, the kid's name is Keaton. Uh, this is really cool to see when people can come together like this. And I hope this continues to send a message to stop bullying because 
It, it, it's a horrible thing. It, it really is. Uh, you know, I'm not a parent right now. Um, you know, I would hate to have to deal with a kid who, who's dealing with bullying um, in school and just, you know, wondering if the school's even doing anything about it. I, I think anything worse than that. If your own kid is the bully, I, I just think that's that's hard to face. And if you're if you do have a kid who is being a bully, who's trying to single out other kids, shame on you as a parent because you did not teach your kids the, the right things. Um, you know, obviously something happens at home that allows kids to think it's okay to talk a certain way to another kid or to make them feel feel bullied and to make it seem like bullying's okay. And, and look. Uh, we we talk about why aren't other students standing up for 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 kids that are being bullied? Well, not many kids want to do that. Uh, a lot of kids they don't really know how to go about it. And even if there is a kid that wants to do it, he he or she might be the only one. And at that point, it still feels like ten kids versus one or two. So there aren't uh, uh, there's nothing kids can really do about it. And it's up to school administrators that have got to do something about this. It's completely wrong and. I'm actually really excited to see these Tennessee players visit the school and show this kid some love because I, I just don't think there's any room for for that in our world. I, I mean, you, you've got to do better things about that. Bullies are just completely weak people that don't have anything better to do and they feel the need to to bully other people to make themselves feel better. And I think I think that that just shows a big sign of weakness and uh, it's not cool at all. Not cool at all. So good good, good for this kid, Keaton, who's getting all this love all around. Much deserved love, and uh, he's gonna be hanging out with some some football players, some UFC fighters. Uh, it's gonna be pretty cool to be this kid. Good for this kid. Final segment of the show. Let's throw some penalty flags. Man, I'm gonna go back to this Chiefs and Raiders game for a moment because you're starting to see the Raiders. Kind of act like sore losers after this. Uh, We've seen some players come out and speak publicly and say this, but Derek Carr was quoted saying, we sucked in this game. And uh, who was it? I think it was a tight end for the Raiders, Lee Smith, who said, quote, we don't deserve to be number one in our division when we just went out there and pissed on our leg. Uh, Look, uh, I get it. I think it's important to speak the truth when you have a bad game like that, but to, to... Say that your team sucks or that you guys all pissed on your own leg. Uh, What message does that send to the rest of the locker room? I I mean, I I don't see the need to be condescending on your own team. Look, the Raiders are just one game behind uh, when they and they've done a lot of catching up in this division when it seemed like they were completely done. So, look, uh, I don't know if they should feel completely horrible they do have a win earlier this year over the Chiefs so the the tiebreaker situation can change down the road depending what happens with the Chiefs I don't know I mean it just seems like doom and gloom from Oakland's point of view just for one loss like this uh I mean they've done a lot of catching up I don't think that it's necessary to throw your own team under the bus like that saying we sucked or that we pissed our leg they've got to say better things than that come on All right, I'm not joking with this next story. Uh, and I actually have the audio because I want to play that to prove to you guys that this is a real story. This might be the dumbest thing I've ever put on the podcast. Uh, the dumbest story from another person. The, the, the dumbest person, let's just put it that way. 
not, not the story. Not putting on, this here is not a dumb thing because that's what the segment is about. But a woman in Bristol, England, claims that she has had sex with twenty ghosts, and she goes on a TV show to talk about this. Goes on a British television show, uh, a, a talk show, to discuss this. Very interesting. Listen to this. <coughs> I don't know what I can say. Well, you, just had, you, had, you had sex. Yeah, I had sex with, with, with a ghost. ghost. Yes. But you can't wrap your arms around a ghost. You, you can still feel it. Like, it felt it was kind of, oh, it's difficult to explain. Like a weight. It's kind of a weight, but at the same time weightless. And like a physical, there's the breath and stroking. And the energy as well. I think the energy was a lot to do with it. Do you feel a connection? And does a sexual experience with a ghost end in orgasm? Um, for me. Yeah, oh, my gosh, so wow. I hope so. Oh, my. Uh, hey, I, I like how the female host is like asking, oh, does it end in, uh, you know, uh, sexual excitement with the ghost? And then the, the, uh, the male, uh, the male host is also like asking that too, like wants to know, uh, how the, how it all ends. Um, uh, she, I, I'm not gonna play the whole audio. You can, I'm sure you guys, if you Google it, you'll find it online. Uh, she says she gave up men. She was once engaged and was not happy, and so she gave up men for ghosts. And now, here's the craziest part: she wants to get pregnant by a ghost. I'm not kidding. The article says she wants it. Quote, the, the article says, Now Ram wants to get pregnant by one of the ghosts. I've done a bit of research into phantom pregnancies, she said. There's a possibility that it is a ghost in you, but people don't know how to carry it to full term. I, I, I say this every segment now, I, I, I feel like, but every time I put someone on this segment, I just question society. Like, I, I don't know what to say about... Or like I just I just start questioning everything. Who the hell is this woman? All right, so there are just weird people like that woman. Then there are just crazy people uh, like this Buffalo Bills fan. And and for whatever reason, I don't know why. Like, is this a tradition? I I, I haven't seen this in a while. I know I know with social media we see a lot more videos out there, but Buffalo uh, Buffalo Bills fans like to get rowdy and. Uh, pretend like they're in a WWE match while they're tailgating. So here's the latest. A fan drinks an entire can of beer uh, and he's on top of a van. And then he does one of those WWE uh, elbow drops onto a grill. Just simply goes into... I mean, I guess I'm just shocked that the grill was not on or, or, or burning or anything like that because... You would think that Buffalo Bills fans would take it up to that level. But no, I mean, it was just simply a Bills fan doing an elbow drop from the top of a van, a, min- a minivan, onto a grill. Uh, I-, I don't even know, like, why do Buffalo Bills fans, like, even if you're incredibly drunk, how do how does someone come to the conclusion that this is a great idea? How, how does someone come to that conclusion is what I want to know. Because, look, I've, I've had a few drinks. You know, when you're when you're at home, at a party, or you're having fun. But even... And now let me just say this. I've never been completely wasted or anything like that. I, I, I choose to limit how much I drink. But I, I would imagine you would at least still know how to use your brain a little bit. I mean, isn't that a possibility? No? I, I guess in Buffalo it's not. I don't know. Um, Man, uh crazy people out there that's for sure tell me what's not crazy 
No crazy things to discuss about the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, maybe that fourth quarter, but other than that, they got the win. They snapped the four-game losing streak and are on top, remain on top of the AFC West for now. Got to turn it around on a bit of a shorter week, playing the Chargers later this week on Saturday Night Football. So therefore, we'll have a little bit of an earlier podcast this week. The podcast will be out on Wednesday. The preview podcast will preview the game between the Chiefs and the Chargers at Arrowhead Stadium. We will preview that game, talk about other news and notes around the NFL. You guys can interact with us on social media. You can do so on Facebook, facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. I'll do a Facebook Live at halftime and after the game, so join me for that on Facebook. Follow me on Facebook, like my page, facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. You guys can email me as well, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on iTunes, and if you enjoy the podcast, hey, great. Share it on social media. Let your friends know. Let all your friends who are Chiefs fans know about the Chiefs Zone podcast. Once again, a big thanks to you, the listeners, for listening to a victory recap episode of the Chiefs Zone podcast, which is good to do. Haven't done one of those in a long time, not since October. Feels like forever, but hey, got to do one. Hopefully we can do another one on Sunday morning when we recap the game between the Chiefs and the Chargers. So preview podcasts will be out on Wednesday morning, and then the recap will be out Sunday morning. A little earlier than usual, but of course, being Saturday Night Football, that is what we'll get this week. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that. Subscribe to be able to download those episodes. And until then, I'll talk to you guys later this week when we preview the game between the Chiefs and the Chargers.